high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Justin Higginbottom. This is your news for Thursday, October 27th. Steve Waller was living in France when he visited the Cave of New in the foothills of the Pyrenees. It's famous for its rock art images, which are at least 14,000 years old, and depict animals like sheep, bulls, and a squat horse. And I was thinking to myself, well, if I were a caveman, why would I go in the cave and draw these paintings? And then I happened to hear an echo. Those are echoes from Waller in that cave. And I think it was my subconscious, because I was trying to think like a caveman, my subconscious knew that the ancient people thought that echoes were spirits. And so I actually heard that echo as a spirit speaking back. He remembered those ancient Greek myths involving echoes. A musicologist had studied that cave in France and found the drawings are at areas offering the most sound reverberation. The researcher theorized the spots were used for ceremonial singing. But Waller became more interested in the many ancient myths around echoes, from witches living in rocks to spirit worlds located behind those hard surfaces. And when I started um, then investigating, more echo myths. I found out that there's echo myths all around the world, including from the Great Basin area, that really describe echoes as a spiritual phenomenon. And so I've been visiting as many rock art sites as I can since then. I've been to like hundreds and hundreds investigating the acoustics. Waller isn't an archaeologist or an acoustician, but he is a scientist. His day job is in biochemistry, and he uses a scientific approach to study how sound is heard differently at a rock art site compared to the surrounding area. He calls the field archaeoacoustics. When visiting sites, he makes a variety of noises, clapping, drumming, yelling. Sometimes he uses a spring-loaded percussion device that's kind of like a rat trap. And in places like Horseshoe Canyon in Utah, the um, rock art is located at places that do have much better echoing than the places that are not decorated. He applies his findings to mythologies, from ancient Europe to the Hopi. He finds that sometimes images correlate with those myths. And that I think that that was one of the reasons why those places were chosen and why these images were placed. A lot of the images are consistent with the echo myth and the characters that are described in Echo These are sounds from a trip Waller made this year to the San Juan River in southeastern Utah. What we saw is that there are multiple rock art sites along the river and that some of them actually talk to each other. There's this one pair of sites that are about a mile apart and because of the cliff faces that collect the sound, you can hear people from one rock art site talking from the other rock art site. He found the parabolic shape of the cliff walls acted like a kind of whisper gallery. He says not all sites provide noticeable echoes, and there are detractors who aren't convinced of his findings. But he says either way, it's important to not only conserve rock art images, but the soundscape where they are found. And so also for people who might not agree that sound is important, it still would be 
all the more important to conserve the acoustic environment of rock art sites, if only so that others can demonstrate that it's not an important factor. The Bears Ears Intertribal Coalition have proposed creating an auditory department to help protect natural sounds, including silence, at the National Monument where there's an abundance of rock art. Many cities across the country, but especially in Colorado's Front Range, are experiencing a housing crisis, with costs far outpacing wages. One of the effects has been an increase in homelessness. At the same time, some cities have enacted stricter laws to punish activities associated with not having a home. This criminalization tends to funnel unhoused individuals into jail or the court system. But some cities, like Boulder, are trying a different approach. Community Court, KGNU's Shannon Young, has the story. Every Tuesday afternoon, a section of Boulder's Central Park transforms into an open-air outreach center. So I just graduated from Colorado State University in what I refer to as boot camp bureaucracy. Jen Livovich is the executive director of Feet Forward, a small nonprofit she founded during COVID to respond to the needs of the local unhoused population. Feet Forward organizes the weekly events in Boulder's Central Park to provide goods and services Livovich says she needed when she herself was homeless. So the goal here is for us to try to attract as many of the people who are experiencing homelessness in our community to us. Because, and a lot of people don't like that, right? They don't want to attract homeless people. But the reality is, is you need to attract homeless people to offer them solutions and help them. At the weekly outreach event, Feet Forward offers free meals, weather-appropriate clothing, orientation for navigating complex bureaucratic systems, and spaces for service providers to connect with people in need. Angel, who preferred to speak on a first-name basis only, helps to prepare the food and coordinate the clothing donations. When I got off the street, I wanted to work with Jen, because Jen helped me when I was on the street. And how were you able to get off of the street? Um, well, I got sober and um, started working um, um, with uh, Chris, from, and he got me um, housed. The Chris Angel refers to is Christopher Reynolds, supervising prosecutor in the Boulder City Attorney's Office. He's also with the city's community court system, which sometimes sets up a table during the weekly outreach events at the band shell. We're trying to meet people where they are. Our uh, community court program is focused on people who are currently unhoused. Reynolds says they try to connect with individuals who have tickets for low-level municipal offenses. We do things like help them apply for a uh, Colorado ID or a social, social security card or get connected with the housing process and in return we dismiss their tickets. Boulder's community court has been operating for about two years. New York City established the first community court in the U.S. in 1993 to pioneer the model of alternative treatments for offenses that oftentimes trace back to a root cause of extreme poverty or lack of access to essential services. I'm proud of the uh, Boulder community court program because it takes a non-punitive, non-traditional approach to dealing with cases where fines, jail time, those things, not helpful. What really helps is helping people get their basic needs met, and the most principal basic need is housing. Earlier this month, observers from the community court in Austin, Texas were in town to see how Boulders operates and to offer feedback based on their own 23 years of experience. Peter Valdez, court administrator for Austin's community court, had this advice. The biggest thing is to uh, 
create your menu of resources that you have in-house so that you're able to immediately connect people to services when you engage them through the court processes or when they come to you voluntarily. And you're able to provide those services in-house as opposed to relying on what's available in the community and uh, losing time trying to connect people to those services. Sometimes those who have lived experience climbing out of homelessness can be the most effective navigators. Like Feet Forward's Jen Livovich, Angel also got an education and turned around to use it to help others. I got a, a certificate. I am a certified recovery coach. So that better helps me deal with people and, their, and mental problems, drug problems and all that. And I also, I like to help people that just get housed because it was so hard for me even. And, and I knew, I don't know, people have trouble. They don't know what they need when they're inside. And it's really hard to get dropped inside and nobody knows, you know, there's nobody there to help you. Feet Forward founder Jen Livovich agrees the current human services system is a bit of a patchwork, but that the authorities need to include those with lived experience in their solution plans. So as a person that used to be one of the people coming to my own event today, I can tell you that um, homeless people are told what to do, how to do, and when to do it, or more like what not to do, right? And they don't really have any representation at the tables where those decisions are made. But at least in many cities, the community court system and meeting those in need where they're at seems like a step in the right direction. For KGNU, I'm Shannon Young in Boulder, Colorado. That report from KGNU was shared with us via Rocky Mountain Community Radio, a network of public media stations in Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and New Mexico, including KZMU. And that's the KZMU News for Thursday, October 27th. Get your community power journalism Monday through Friday at noon and 7. You can also find KZMU News anytime online at kzmu.org or wherever you listen to podcasts.